Amen and good morning. Let me just turn this thing on. Technology, hey? Just a sec. Not sure they are, Andrew. Hope that's right. Good. Well, we've, uh, we're journeying through the uh, study in uh, John's Gospel and we've um, come to, uh, to chapter 20. It's, uh, it's well known, there's no doubt about that. Uh, when I was driving home from getting dinner last night, which was code for fish and chips, um, I heard the, uh, an ad on the radio, and it's the same ad, I've seen it on TV. Um, it's, a, it's a lady, and she says, I'm still getting it, I'm still getting it. And it's an ad, of course, for Toyotas. Um, and uh, they'd like us to believe that uh, she's still getting that great feeling for having a Toyota. Well, I'm not quite sure whether that's uh, true or not, but um, got me thinking. I thought, are we still getting it? The, the truth of the resurrection? You see, it's so easy to be commonplace that we often miss the importance of it. Uh, Raf took us to the point of the crucifixion last Sunday and we, uh, we left Jesus crucified on the cross. But the reading today has taken us to a whole different place. Uh, but it's a place that most of us, that I'm sure, that are here today probably know it well. If you've come along today hoping that you'll get some great in-depth theological exposition of the chapter then I'm not the right person for that, so you'll be disappointed. What I, what I would like us to do is to just try and focus our thinking a little bit today on that simple truth that Jesus is alive and what does that really mean for us today? Does it matter? Does it make a difference? Um, and we'll explore some of those things together today. I, I went to a funeral on Friday, um, Hugh McCartney's funeral, known to a number of the people here. And it was interesting to hear of Hugh's life and his impact. And But it was great to see his family and, and uh, the next generation of people that have come to know the Lord through uh, through the, the journey of being part of the McCartney family and then the grandchildren. And there was great sadness because his death wasn't expected and as a result of having some surgery. And, uh, and yet there was great hope. Why, why is it that Christians have such great hope? It's because Jesus is alive. It's because we have this confidence that one day we will see him again. Now, uh, when, um, when I was asked about uh, doing the study um, and uh, I looked at the, uh, the outline that was given to me initially, I'll talk about that in a moment, um, I, I was just starting to think about this whole section and what hope it brings to the Christian. And on the uh, TV, I'm not sure whether it was Friday evening, there was one of those home um, gardening type shows and um, there, was, there was a lady and she said, you know, um, she said, my life was emotionally and spiritually bereft. I was empty. 
and I somehow got involved in the gardening and that's made a great difference in my life. People are searching. People are searching all the time for what is missing in their life and their experience. They don't have the hope that the McCartney family have got that you was with the Lord. They don't have any hope that Jesus is alive and so they struggle. Now, just by way of overview, we, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all record this, uh, this resurrection story and we could look at them all today and they all have slight differences but they point us to the central theme and they bring us to, to an understanding of what took place. Now, um, the outline that I was given, and you would have read it in your In Touch a couple of weeks ago, it was the dawning of a new day and I think from what I could see, it was probably taken from Warren Worsby's book, a US author and pastor, um, one of his study Bible, uh, one of his study books. And it said, verse one and two, he talked about faith being eclipsed, and then went on to faith dawning on them, and then to faith shining brightly. And you could see that there's a progression, and I think that was that was what uh, Worsby was trying to get at. That in this chapter. Something happens from when Mary first meets, uh, goes to the tomb and has that experience of sadness that the body of Jesus is missing and then you move towards uh, a realisation at the end of the verses, something had happened. And of course something had happened, Jesus was alive. And Mary uh, and the others, uh, they go to the tomb and why did they go to the tomb? They went to the tomb because they wanted to anoint a dead body. That's why they went there. doesn't tell us anything else. They went to the tomb because Jesus was dead. Uh, she only expected to find a dead Jesus. She meets some angels. She has some discussion with them. And then she goes and she tells the disciples what she'd, been, what she'd told. And Worsby says of this that her faith was not extinguished. Uh, it was just eclipsed. She didn't really understand what was going on. But with understanding... Um, our faith can become stronger and knowledge builds on our faith. A um, couple of weeks ago I was in the car with Josh, our grandson, and his auntie Kim and Josh said from the back seat, Grandpa, how does the sky stay up there? <laughs> so I thought, well, the easy thing is I said, Josh, ask your father. <laughs> But then I thought that probably wasn't fair. I should go a little further. So I talked about God creating the sky and gravity and I can assure you it all went downhill rap from there. <laughs> Especially what's gravity? <laughs> so, but you know, as Josh gets more knowledge, knowledge, he'll understand things and that was what was happening to Mary. She was starting to understand because her, her, her faith was starting to build on the facts that she was experiencing. And Mary and, and the disciples were entering a whole new world, of course. This was a world that was post-Calvary. This was something that they'd never experienced before. They knew nothing about. Well, the next scene, of course, is Peter and John, and they run to the tomb, uh, and they see the grave close. <clears throat> What's incredible is... Do you think it's incredible that the disciples didn't expect that Jesus would rise again? 
after all that he'd said to them. I think that's incredible. Worsby says, uh, good as the evidence was when they got to the tomb, it didn't convince them and their faith was beginning to dawn, it was beginning to come to life, but it hadn't quite reached a full full, uh, understanding of the situation, but something was happening. And then in the last verses, from verse 11 down to verse 18, uh, we see that uh, faith starts to shine through as Mary meets her Lord. She thought he was dead. She was only focused on finding the body. Uh, And even the discussions with the angel didn't convince her. But she finally recognised Jesus in the garden. She clasps onto his feet and she holds on. And Worsby says of this, a new relationship was unfolding. Things will never be the same again. Mary's faith and that of the others was growing. The evidence had led them to the conclusion that he is alive and their faith can now start to to be brighter. We could finish today now. We, We could, I could finish now and you could go to morning too early because in essence that is, that is the story. That's what's taken place. But I've been thinking about it and thinking about us as a congregation, the people that come here every week, and what does it, what does it really mean for us today? Um, if we just left it there, it would be just nothing more than reminding you of facts and information that I think most of you probably already know. Those who are a bit older here who have been going to Belgrave for many years will remember the name Ronald Dunn. Now, Ronald Dunn was a US pastor and preacher that went to Belgrave and he spoke in the, it was in the late 80s and he spoke a couple of times on the different Marys in the scripture when he was at Belgrave. He spoke on other subjects as well. I think he might have spoken there on two occasions. What I liked about him was that I could remember the the messages that he gave and I can still even remember them today. Um, more so than I can of some of the deeper uh, theological addresses that have been given at Belgrave over the years, good as they are. But I liked Ronald Dunn and, uh, and in the back of my mind when I was looking at this study came back to me some of the points that he had about some of these things. I want to share some of them with you today. When Mary got to the tomb she really missed the whole point of what was going on the disciples missed the whole point there was a blonde lady lie, she was flying in an aeroplane and uh, she was uh, there were only two, it was a little two seater aircraft and uh, the pilot had a heart attack so and he died so she was obviously concerned but she was new enough to be able to get on the radio and speak to the people at the control tower and they said don't worry because we know uh, all that you need to know about getting the plane down to the ground and if you do what we tell you everything will be okay they said we just need to know uh, where are you um, and uh, how high are you and she said well I'm five foot four and I'm, in, and I'm in the front seat. <laughs> she just completely missed the point. I read another story. It was about a man who had two penguins. And he was, he was driving along one day and the police pulled him over and they said to him, 
Sir, do you know that you've got two penguins in the back of your car? He said, you shouldn't have those because they're an endangered species. So he said, the officer said to him, what I'd like you to do is to take the penguins and uh, I would like you to take them to the zoo. So the guy agreed that he would take the penguins to the zoo and uh, so the officer let him go. Now, the next day, the officer saw the same man in the same car with the same two penguins, but this time they had sunglasses and Hawaiian shirts on. So he pulled them over and he said to the guy, he said, I told you to take them to the penguins, uh, take those penguins to the zoo. And he said, yes, I did that yesterday and today we're going to the beach. <laughs> he just missed the, he, he'd missed the point. Now, funny as that is, the disciples missed the point completely. They missed the point completely of the resurrection. They weren't expecting Jesus to be alive. They missed the point. You know, you would have expected the disciples um, to have shown up, camped out, expecting Jesus. Andrew, do those, those couple of pictures, did they happen to still be in your machine there somewhere? Dunn says, you know, resurrection morning must have been a great disappointment to Jesus because nobody was there to see it happen. They didn't expect it was going to happen, so they didn't show up. Now, they're all camped out at the MCG. Where's the other photo, Andrew? And the Western Bulldogs supporters, do you reckon they were going to miss their chance to get a grand final ticket? No way, Morris. They were, they were expecting something to happen. You can take them off, Andrew, because it's the Western Bulldogs. But, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, they camped out to get tickets. Nobody camped out to see Jesus come out of the tomb. Nobody expected it was going to happen. Why would they? They completely missed the point. And I think so often we completely miss the point. We just don't expect that Jesus will show up. It is possible for Jesus to be present and we don't even recognise him. Mary goes to the tomb. She meets the angels and she asks what have you done with him? She completely missed the point. And many times we look straight at Jesus and we ask, where is he? Every time we come into this building, every time we leave this building, we should be able to say, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. And I would say today that if you go home, and you can't say, I have seen the Lord. Something is missing from our service today. Matthew 18.20 says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. He is here. He is here today. He showed up when the first people came, when the music team were here doing their practice before anyone else got here when the deacons opened up the building, 
Jesus was here. And he'll be here right at the end when everybody's gone and the last person closes the door. He is here today. Do you see him? That's the question. Do you see him? Now, Ronald Dunn gives four possible reasons why Mary didn't see Jesus, and I want to just pass them on to you today. He says that perhaps because her eyes were so filled with tears, she missed the Lord. In verse 11, Mary is weeping. She's loudly mourning the fact that Jesus is dead. And her eyes are filled with tears. Her heart is filled with grief. She's so overwhelmed by what's happened that she can't see Jesus. And sometimes Jesus can be right in front of us and we can be so filled with disappointment or grief or some dilemma that's happening in our lives and we can't see him. But he's there. Sometimes we feel the pain and disappointment, heartaches and hardships for whatever reason but we don't see that the Lord is in it. I was in the United States two or three or four weeks ago now and I had a meal with a couple and somebody had said to me before I went there, they said Dave and Sue have been through a difficult experience and uh, and when we shared the meal with them and we talked with them, they were they were just so full of the service they were doing for the Lord and the ministry that they were involved in. But I found out that their 17-year-old son was doing a work experience, first day, in a motorbike shop, little town in America. Somebody walked into the shop and they shot him, killed him. Didn't know him. person was on drugs, just killed him. Do you think Dave and Sue could see the Lord in that? I think it took them some time. But when I shared the evening meal with them, they journeyed through that sadness and grief and difficulty to the point where they could see that Jesus had journeyed with them. And even though we have difficulties and we all experience them, every family has them, we all have difficult times. But you know, Jesus is there. We just sometimes miss the whole point. Don't understand that he's there with us. But he's there. It's not usually our first reaction we come to when difficulties come to say, oh, God is in this. But that's where we should be. We should see that Jesus is there when we need him most. When we're in our darkest place. Jesus is there. He is there. He's alive. Second thing is that uh, why Mary maybe failed to see Jesus, she was looking in the wrong direction, says Dunn. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Twice it says here in this passage that Mary had to turn and look towards where Jesus was. And she was looking in the wrong direction. It's hard to see Jesus if you're looking in the wrong direction. And yet sometimes that's what we do. Looking in all the wrong places. People are hungry today 
They know there's a void in their lives. They, they know there's something better. They're looking for it. They just are looking in all the wrong places. They don't know. Brian Lake, was uh, he was a Western Bulldogs player and a Hawthorne player and Lake has been in the news for all the wrong reasons the last week or so. He was drunk and got into a fight in Japan and they, they put him in jail and I think he was concerned that he mightn't get out too easily. But you know what uh, Adam Cooney, another yeah, Hawks player I think, Cooney? Bulldogs, thank you. I don't know a lot about football. But you know what Cooney said about his friend Lake? He said this, and I quote, Lake has been in a dark place, struggling to fill the void in his life after football. Been in a dark place, struggling to fill the void, looking but looking in the wrong place. We, we know that void can be filled with Jesus, but the average person in the street doesn't know that. But we know it because he's alive. And people go from one thing to another. They go from one church to another. They go from one group of people to another. All looking, hoping to find something. Les Tweedyman this week wrote an article in one of the papers and he said, um, he said, in Melbourne there is a great sense of meaninglessness in the life of young people. They think they are no, they think they're nobodies. They're unfulfilled and that's why they're getting into trouble. That's why we have so much trouble with some of these African groups that are causing difficulties because they just have no purpose in their life and they're looking for fulfilment but they're not finding it and they're looking in the wrong place. Looking but looking in the wrong place. If I can just get this particular job, if I can get this amount of money, if I can get this vehicle if I can get this or this or this then I'll be happy we know they won't be happy it doesn't bring happiness it doesn't bring it to us not going to bring it to them looking but looking in the wrong place Michael Hutchins Robin Williams I've just been thinking about people who were looking but looking in the wrong place Whitney Houston wonderful singer looking took their own lives because they were looking but looking in the wrong place and I've been thinking about James Packer I don't know if I should but I feel sorry for James Packer I look at that man and he's got billions of dollars billions yet he's miserable his life's a mess he's off in some rehabbing getting trying to get his life together whether it's emotional or whether it's other things, I, I don't know, but I do feel sorry for him. He, he grew up in that Packer family under the pressure of a grandfather and a father that probably drove him and drove him to be successful. Hasn't achieved anything for him. Looking, but looking in the wrong place. You only find that peace and fulfilment here. He will only find it in Jesus. We we know that. So it is possible to look in all the wrong places. The rich young ruler, we have it in scripture. He went to Jesus. He knew there was something missing. And when Jesus put his finger on what it was, he still wasn't prepared to do it. Looking but didn't like 
what he was told. The third reason why people sometimes fail to see Jesus and maybe why Mary failed to see him was because we sometimes are unable to see the Lord beyond the mere fact of what's happening, beyond the present, beyond what is happening just now. We don't see anything beyond that. Mary comes to the tomb and what does she see? She sees two angels. Now you might have thought if you see two angels that God was around, but that wasn't what occurred to Mary. Mary was, all Mary was concerned about was what have you done with his body? She still thought he was dead, even though there were angels there. Mary wasn't impressed with angels. Dunn says, I remember him saying about this, that if you went home today and opened the wardrobe and there were two angels there, you might get excited. Angels, angels. Oh, you might think God was at work doing something, but it didn't dawn on Mary that that was what was happening. She just missed the whole point. All Mary could see was that the body was gone. She had a conversation with the angels. One of those angels was at the head, one of at the foot, uh, of, uh, and the grave clothes were there in the shape of the body. The head napkin was separate. Um, the body was gone, and she just wanted to know what had happened. We could spend time talking about the picture of the mercy seat and that it's a new day and the old is gone and the new has come. There's so many things you could talk about here, but that's not really where I'm heading now. She was unable to see before the mere fact that was before her that something had occurred. You know, in John chapter 13, that's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And Peter says to him, no, no, (laughs) no. No, you're not going to wash my feet. And yet Jesus says, no, Peter, uh, I need to wash your feet. Let me just go to John 13. I'll just go back. There's a key verse that stood out here to me. It says in verse 6, He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Now, listen to what Jesus said. This is the key. Jesus said, You don't realise now what I'm doing, but later, later you will understand. Later you will understand. Peter, what I'm doing for you, you don't understand, but you will. Peter says, well, you've washed my feet, Lord. He says, no, no, Peter, that's not what I've done. No. No. What's the key? He'd given them an example, an example of love, an example of humility, an example to follow. But they just missed the whole point. Peter's problem was he was so spiritually dead that he couldn't see beyond the mere fact of getting his feet washed. That's all he could see. If you were a servant, the lowest of the low jobs, Josh, was washing feet. I've heard people say the only person who walked out of that room that night with dirty feet was Jesus. We don't read Peter got down and washed his feet. We don't read anybody else washed Jesus' feet. But he gave them an example. 
and they were struggling to see beyond the mere fact that Jesus washed their feet as to what the purpose behind it all was. And sometimes we miss seeing Jesus because we can't see beyond what is so obvious. Peter couldn't see beyond the obvious. Jesus was doing far more than washing feet. And sometimes when Jesus is working in our lives, we struggle to see beyond the mere fact of what's happened, the events that are around that, and we're concerned. We need spiritual sensitivity to see the hidden hand of God at work. We need to look for the invisible hand of God and recognise that he's behind all even the mundane things of everyday life. There is always more than what is obvious with God. Always more than what is obvious. And there was more going on in this chapter 20 than what the disciples and Mary understood. You remember back in John chapter 12, we have a a talking of another Mary, of Mary, um, sister of uh, Martha and brother of Lazarus and she takes that alabaster box there are lots of Marys in the scripture if you if you do a study on them people have differing opinions as to which Mary was which and so on some are more obvious than others uh, where they fit in the story but uh, but in John chapter 12 Mary takes uh, some expensive perfume and she anoints the feet of Jesus And to Jesus that was a very special thing and he says when they complained about the waste and and the extravagance of the act and they said, he says leave her alone. Um, What she's done is a very special thing. She has anointed my feet for burial. What? Do you think that Mary knew that that's what she was doing? I've heard people say she did, I'm not sure. I think all Mary was doing was loving Jesus the only way she knew how. She took the most expensive, the most precious thing that she had and she she just used that to anoint his feet. No more, no less. She loved him. And yet Jesus could see there was much more going on there. Mary was really just loving him and uh, took that precious gift and poured it out but and to her that was the end of it but Jesus says oh no no there's there's much far-reaching consequence to what she's done today and you'll be talking about it in the days to come and we're 2,000 years down the track and we're still talking about it today because of that extravagant act of love that Mary did so there is always more going on than sometimes we recognise Every single act of obedience to God has far-reaching consequences. Every time we are obedient, every time we seek to honestly follow the Lord and put him first, there are consequences that can go on for years and we don't know about it. Sometimes we don't see it. Initially, I thought of that when I thought of Hugh's funeral on Friday. I saw his children there and how positively they spoke of their Christian life and journey themselves. Consequences for every decision. We're investing in the lives of these little ones that are up in the front of the church here. We have no idea what they will become. If God leaves them here, great men and women of God in 10, 15, 20 years, 
Rob, you'll be dead and in the glory in another 20 years, I think. I'm not trying to be mournful about it, but it's a great hope for the future that we have. But these little ones, we don't know what's going to become of them. So we invest in their lives today. And every investment made in the name of Jesus pays great dividends. Pays great dividends. So Mary's single act of obedience had far-reaching consequences. And finally, Mary could not recognise Jesus when she saw him because she was looking for a dead Jesus instead of a living Lord. And Dunn says of this point, I'm glad she didn't find one. Are you glad today that she didn't find a dead Jesus? Because if she found a dead Jesus, we may as well be Muslims, may as well be Hindus, may as well be Buddhists, may as well be New Age, may as well be anything of a hundred different Calathumpian people you can think about because they all have dead leaders. We have a living Lord. He's alive. We have a living Lord. Jesus is alive. And we need to, to let that fact get so entrenched into our psyche that it impacts everything that we do. She wasn't looking for a living Jesus. She had missed the whole point. She was looking for a body. Question, did you come here today expecting to find a living Jesus? Did you come to church today expecting to find a resurrected Jesus? That's the anticipation that we should come every week that we will meet Jesus. We should be excited that he's alive. But today many are worshipping a dead Jesus of 2,000 years ago. They've forgotten that he's alive. They've known it at some point in the past but it's not relevant to them today. It's slipped. They've they've bumped their head or something's happened along the way and they've lost interest. They've become half-hearted and they go through the motions but that's about all there is to it. Many go to church today out of habit. You come into the service like this, first thing you do, start looking at your watch. You're already checking out, you know, what time can I get to the game this afternoon? What have I got to do when I get home? Don't lie to me, some of you have already done it today, I know. That's human nature, we're like that. We come here and we just go through the motions. It's like we're expecting a dead Jesus. We're not expecting him to be alive. We didn't come here today expecting to get our hearts stirred and, and expecting to be encouraged in our Christian walk. We, we just thought we're going to go through the motions again. We're going to come to church and have some fellowship. We all smile. Yet in our hearts, we've got problems and difficulties. We all have them. We have sadness in our lives. We have disappointments. We don't always walk the walk as we should. And the walk is not always according to the talk that we have. We, people knew, we, we sometimes are concerned if people really knew what we were like. But as we come here today, we can 
we can recognise that Jesus is alive. He's dealt with those issues. He's dealt with those problems, whatever they might happen to be. He dealt with them. Raph left us with him at Calvary last week, paying the penalty of our sin. And the passage today brings us to the point of him being alive again. And he is coming again. He's coming again. Where's the appetite gone, do you think, for our country, for people going to church? Even in my generation when I was young, people went to church. Don't do it today. Things have changed. We should go to church expecting to meet the Lord every week, but we fail to see Jesus. What did Mary, uh, what did Jesus say to Mary? Touch me not, don't hold me. Uh, And the Greek has the idea of prohibiting an action that's already in progress. In other words, Jesus is saying, stop holding me, stop holding me, Mary. And it's obvious why she was holding on to Jesus. She'd wrapped her arms around his feet because she didn't want to lose him. But he said, no, no, Mary, the old relationship is gone. Things are different now. Things are different, so don't hold me. There's now a new relationship, a higher relationship, a spiritual relationship, so don't try holding on to the past. 1 Corinthians 5 and 16 says, um, Paul says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. What's he mean? It means that the relationships are based on a new living Christ that indwells us all. Some feel that uh, they can only embrace Jesus in a certain form and in a certain way. Sometimes we find Jesus where we do not expect to find him, in churches that are not like our own, in ministries and worship styles that are different to us and yet still Jesus is there. But we would rather to hold on to some old tradition than change. So often we're like that. Jesus is not limited by how we think he should be. Are we prepared to see Jesus today outside of the preconceived boundaries that we put around him as to how he should be and how he should uh, operate? I've got a friend who I talked to this week and he's just come back from the Hillsong Conference in Sydney. And when I asked him about it, he said it was life-changing for my family. How can that be? This guy grew up in a tight, conservative brethren church and he's been to a Hillsong conference with his family. He told me, and this is true, he said, Lee, you could feel the music long before you heard it. It was vibrating, it was that loud. And he said, I wasn't that switched on by how loud it was. But he said... Man, I, I loved the breakout sessions. I loved the ministry. I loved the teaching. He said, my kids loved it. He said, my wife loved it. We've come home as a family on fire because of what we went to. Well, I can guarantee Hillsong's not, the, not your cup of tea for a lot of you here today. I don't have to be clever to work that out. But Jesus was there. He was there and the people were blessed. I grew up in Ballarat, small conservative little church, tight, small group of people. 
That church has since died and closed because they refused to change. But you know what? I met Jesus there. I met Jesus there. Those people taught me about Jesus. Those people instructed me. Those people gave me a great foundation. You can meet Jesus in that environment and you can meet him in the happy clapping, high as a kite flying, charismatic churches. Jesus is there. If it's according to scripture, just because it's a little different to what we do doesn't mean that it's necessarily all wrong. And we shake down and end up in places where we feel comfortable and and, and, and okay to worship and that's okay because we're different we're all different but Jesus can work in lots of different ways I'd be foolish to say the only place you can meet Jesus in Montmorency today is in this church because there's lots of other churches that you could meet Jesus in today in Montmorency district in this Greensboro district this Diamond Valley district there are dozens of different churches and Jesus is alive and well and working in them all. Matthew 25 and verse 34 to 40 has that story about the king and he has these people at his right hand and he says, come and inherit the kingdom. I was hungry and you, you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you cared for me. They looked Jesus in the face and they didn't even know it. They said, when were you hungry? When were you thirsty? When were you in prison? Not expected to see the Lord. Not in the old uh, familiar surroundings. Mary and the, she went and she told the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Maybe not the Lord she expected to find that morning, but I've seen the Lord. And as you go from here today, did you see the Lord in the music, in the songs we sung? Did you see him at the the communion table? Do you see him in one another? Your brothers and sisters, Rob reminded us, he is here today. So as we finish... I just want to encourage you, Jesus is alive and he is here and I pray that you today will go from this place with a fresh sense of saying to yourself, I have seen the Lord and it is good for my heart and soul that I have seen him today. Let me pray. Father, thank you for every thought that comes from you comes via men and women of the past it comes from your word it helps us to understand these truths today I pray that most importantly we will all go from here and say we have seen the Lord we desire to see you Lord Jesus high and lifted up the exalted one 
May you help us in our journey with you this coming week to keep our eyes firmly focused on you. We ask in your name. Amen.